Welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part of the program. Uh, I, I We're doing a kind of a, um, I don't know, a format shift. We're trying a new format. We're trying this thing on Fridays now for a bit. I don't know. We're, we're, we're seeing how this podcast goes, what moves, what works. So uh, Fridays from now on, instead of the normal Wednesdays. Joining me as always is Curtis Eastwood. Curtis, how are you doing over there? I'm doing great. Yeah. Are you sure about that? I'm positive. All right. Good. We have Alana over there. I'm feeling a little iffy, but uh, I'll make it. You should tell the people why we're shifting to Friday. Do a little self-promotion. You know, I I don't like to brag. You don't that's not true. I, that's not true. Books. I love to brag. But you got uh, we're, <laughs> we're the, the, the reason we're shifting to Friday is uh, is because I have started rehearsals for an actual um, in life, real life theater event for a show that I was supposed to start rehearsals for two years ago when uh, the literally the week we went into shelter in place. Um, so. Uh, you know, fingers crossed, Omicron variant uh, willing will actually be able to perform this thing at the end of January. And that would be really cool. The 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 play is Copenhagen uh, by Michael Frayn. Uh, and it is going to be at Second Story Repertory. Um, I think it's January 23rd, I think is when it opens. And it runs for like three weeks through February. And I know uh, that last date because it is the weekend before the Super Bowl. And that's why I agreed to these dates. So it's really know. weird that somebody would write a play about chewing tobacco. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking it's weird that somebody would write a play about Denmark. Yeah, that oh, is, is that what it's about? <laughs> it's about three guys sitting on stage chewing Copenhagen in Copenhagen. <laughs> and yeah, talking about the power, yes. <laughs> and talking about yeah, new, the the atom bomb and nuclear science, yes. Uh, last but not least, we got Millie over here. And Millie, I have some bad news for you. What's that? Your pocket locket oh. is not going to make it Sunday. <laughs> oh, no, you might. Well, we don't down. know officially. Yeah. The protocols. He has fallen victim. Look, there is a very teeny tiny chance he could play, but. Um... And you know who is teeny tiny? <laughs> Russell Wilson. Tyler <laughs> Lockett. Oh, Little tiny yeah. pocket locket. He has a teeny tiny chance of being a teeny tiny receiver on Sunday. Uh, that's true. If he gets two negative tests in a row. Yes. Um, uh, you so know, if if there's even a game because the Rams could just because the Rams it. are now down like fifty three <laughs> people. Are they fielding anybody? I, I think they're bringing in like uh, McVeigh's grandma. I heard she's starting center. That's what I heard. That's just that's through the grapevine. But she's sick. So, <laughs> oh, uh, breaking news! McVeigh's grandma just came down with COVID. I... Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, all right. And you know, you know how they got COVID. They went to Houston, and they whooped the crap out of those Texans who were just uh, uh, no masking protocols. It's Texas. Nobody's wearing a mask. The virus is running rampant. And, uh, and, and Seattle came down, came down with a couple of Alex Collins and, uh, and Pocket Lockett, which is bad news because um, the other receivers on the team are all hobbled. 
I, I'm yeah, sure they're going to play. The I, I, I'm pretty sure DK and Swain at least are going to play, but all DK, Swain, and um, Eskridge, gonna and play? Eskridge uh, all ended up on the did not practice report. And yeah, they, they, they kind sucks. of, I'm not too concerned about it on Wednesday. Was it, was it what was today's report? Was that like, did not uh, I think the, what I read was Wednesday's report. So I'm not sure okay. what today's okay. was. Yeah. Yeah. I get so more nervous big... when I start to see it on Thursday and Friday, not practice. Right. Yeah. 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 So does that mean this is the big game for Adrian Peterson? Uh, well, I think Penny is, is getting his shots. Uh, Adrian Peterson will probably dress unless uh, Grandpa uh, hasn't hurt his hip yet. But um, yeah, I, I, speaking of Penny, finally, after, I don't know, when did we draft him? Three years ago? He finally looked ago. like the quarterback we, we, we wanted when we drafted him number one uh, in the first round. Right. Uh, running back. Running back. <laughs> what did I say? Quarterback. <laughs> I said quarterback. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I think I have COVID. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but thank goodness like he's the quarterback we always want. Why not give Penny a shot at quarterback? <laughs> I, I'd like to see that happen. He had I don't know. They got this number week. three guy that plays pretty well, though. I just he did play. Know, I don't know. I don't yeah, know if, like, those uh, They're all the same height, you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know, but Penny, man, uh, two touchdowns, a hundred, I don't know what, 140 yards. Yeah. Almost that, uh, on the ground on 16 um, carries, I think. Yeah. On 16 yeah. carries. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. A lot of, uh, what did you think about that? You know, I just thought it was great. Uh, it, it, it's a redemption story, right? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, uh, I think one of the main things that I really liked about the conversation that was having or being had on, um, sports radio this week was that. We don't know what, I mean, we brought in Adrian Peterson. He's one of the goats at the running back position. He's a player that a lot of players who are young in the NFL at the running back position right now look up to and respect. And we brought him into that running back room. We don't necessarily know the impact he's had on the coaches, on the players, on the run team, outside of just picking up yards and touchdowns. So right. like, I really think that, and and I don't think it's a lie to think that Penny may have in part modeled his game after AP. I think that they have some similar strengths and similar skill sets. So knowing that his, somebody he respects and somebody that he values as a player is in the room with him, is taking snaps with him, is giving him little pointers here and there about different ways to play the game. I think that had an immense effect on Penny. I mean, like, we saw him in his rookie year against the Eagles and against the Patriots just blow the lid off in a couple mm-hmm. of months mm-hmm. and like just get huge runs uh, and just have really great games. Uh, and then it, it, there was there were those flashes of potential four years ago. And seeing it again after he was just just so left behind and forgotten was it was really I thought it was a really meaningful game in that regard and it's a reminder that all of these athletes are the best in the world right like right. yes even though we we talk about it we spend so much time talking about how penny was uh, a wasted draft pick so much of his lack of progress in the time that he's been in the nfl has been because of injury 100%. and they're not like it, it's not like oh it's because you've got a bad ankle 
injury. He's injured yeah. all different kinds of his body, all different parts of his body. And at some point, I feel like that's just had to chip away his away his confidence. Yeah. And now here he is, and he's able to step up, and he's able to go against yes, a, the team with the worst run defense in the NFL, for sure. But the amount of confidence that comes from a game like that, I think it's I think it's a perfect timing. I feel really really happy for the guy. I agree. Uh, number one, I think you bring up a great point about um, the the uh, veteran presence in a locker room, a leadership presence of somebody like Adrian Peterson, where, uh, you know, the, the few snaps that he had as a Seahawk a couple games ago, his stats didn't look great. He averaged like 1.8 yards a carry or something like that, but that's not why we brought him in. He ran hard. I mean, every yard he got in that game, he earned. And you saw that in the in the touchdown that he had. And it, like Marshawn Lynch, when we brought him out of retirement for a postseason run, um, you know, similarly, he had uh, his, his presence had an effect on that locker room. And, right. uh, and, uh, and many of the young running backs, um, pointed that out that even on the sidelines, you know, Marshawn Lynch is giving him the little pointers and, you know, talking him up and giving him the pep talks. And I have to imagine Adrian Peterson was doing the same thing. He wasn't dressed, but he was still on the sideline. Um, mm-hmm. he traveled with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, I like it. I, I thought, uh, that win was weird. It, it was a blowout. But it didn't. It kind of felt like a blowout, but like yeah. it kind of didn't feel like. Like was this, you know, like a mirage? I don't know. What I do know is that a win like that gives a team confidence. And now I think this is the first time in, uh, this season the Seahawks have put two wins together in a row. Um, I think that can give a team a boost and, and also seeing their, you know, all pro quarterback finally starting to play like the guy we know, uh, give him a little confidence going into a game, uh, you know, against the division rival Rams. Uh, so <laughs> Curtis, mm. before we get to predictions, yeah. what, what, are, what are the Seahawks chances here going into this game? Man, I've really I've been going back and forth with it in my mind. Uh, initially, uh, on Monday, I didn't think it was good, uh, and then all this, uh, you know, all these Rams players just got just started going on this humongous COVID list, right? Including just their like starter number one starter running back starter. Henderson. What's that? And uh, including their number one running back Henderson. Yeah. And uh, and you know their number two wide receiver OBJ. Von Miller's just Von Miller is now up, out. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joseph Sebastian. Uh, the, I don't know the 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 real good defensive tackle that they got. Sebastian the Day. Side. Sebastian Day. Yeah, he's really good. He's a good. I mean, he's somebody I'd love to see to try and land in free agency. Um. Yeah, you know, uh, the thing is, I started to sort of gain a little bit more confidence in it. Um, and then this whole thing with um, with Tyler coming down on the COVID list. And it's just it's been sort of my observation over the last stretch of games where Russ has really picked his game up is I think that he has gone back to 
what he knows best. And that's that mind meld with Lockett. Lockett. I think, I think Russ is a, is a, is a type of quarterback that plays to a degree, uh, a sort of risk adverse sort of game. And he won't, I don't think, I, I don't think he is as comfortable with other receivers on that uh roster right now as he is with tyler and i think after the washington game you really saw him like going like okay i'm not gonna force dk the ball and you know i'm going to you know we're gonna get back into you know what our dna is and um you know a lot of it a a lot of it really is his ability to throw on the run in the scramble boot drill Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it takes a receiver with incredible agility and instincts and all the you know sort of you know the 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 gifts that tyler has i think to play along with him i mean baldwin did it tremendously and curse did it really well and tate all those guys and all these guys were sort of like smaller receivers right they're not like these six foot four you know, guys. So I just Muscly don't know. Guys, right. I don't know if DK has the ability to do the Sandlot to the degree that Tyler does, and I think they're going to need that in this game. So I'm I'm a little bit more nervous about. I agree with you. Before it came out that Tyler went down with COVID, my key to the mm-hmm. game was uh, it has to be it, it has to be the the Wilson and Lockett show. That's what's going to win us this game. Uh, it's going to be like that's those what they three, get a ride. Yeah, yeah, that's it's going to be those three pretty moon balls that Wilson can hit to Tyler Lockett. Uh, you know, to put the game away. I don't know if we have that. Um, uh, I, I like the tight ends. Um, and I think that this is a game the Seahawks can win if they wanted to dink and dunk it. I just don't know if that's Russell's game. Well, and and the Rams offense, the Rams, I'm sorry, the Rams defense this year is they've got a different defensive coordinator and they used to do a lot more man and then like sort of pressure type packages, Mm -hmm. uh, in previous years. But in this year, they play, um, they play a little bit more softer underneath. So they invite, you know, they invite the run and they invite the, the, the short passes, you know, in the hopes that, you know, eventually at some point, you know, you're inaccurate, you make a mistake sort of thing like that. So there will be opportunities for Everett and Disley and, you know, the running backs and, you know, maybe, you know, Eskridge to get, you know, the quick underneath stuff. It's just more of like, you know, if Tyler's not on the field, you know, DK is going to draw a lot of attention, you know, from the defensive backs. And then, you know, is Russ going to be able to trust the players that aren't DK? So I I know. And, And I think this is an opportunity for Seattle to kind of unleash DJ Dallas as a, a pass catching running back. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'd really like to see that. Um, Millie, what do you think going into this game? What, what are the keys to the game? How can the Seahawks beat the Rams, or can they? I think so much is going to come down to where we're at come Sunday. Um, because for me, a lot of what happens for both of these teams has so much to do with how you can scout it yep. and watching the film and doing the homework and it's really hard to do when you don't know who you're playing with and who you're playing <laughs> totally. against. Yeah. So this does become, in some ways, it doesn't truly become a sandlot kind of game because you're just going to go out there and play the best football you can with 
what you got. So this could be a total scrap fest. I did just look something up because I wanted to, to be as up-to-date as possible. And they did change the protocol rules today because oh. so many people are testing positive. And here's what it is now. For fully vaccinated players, you can test out of COVID-19 protocols and return from quarantine quicker if you are fully vaccinated and asymptomatic for at least 24 hours, you can return from quarantine as soon as the day after your initial positive test. Mm. Which is enough to say if you're vaccinated and you feel fine um, and you're, you could come back, it's, I'm, I'm not sure that's real smart. Oh, God, this feels like a slippery slope. Right? <laughs> I, just, I don't like this at all. Because nothing in here indicates I mean, that you need a negative test. Uh, I have um, to tell you, I, you know, I, <laughs> it feels to me like those protocols are being relaxed because so many people are, are going down and the owners are looking at the prospect of losing a lot of money. from the NFLPA. This is not an owner's system. This is players. Yeah. Wow. Well, so players we, are millionaires too, and they're yeah. you know they're looking at you know, bonus checks and all that. Where we where we end up on Sunday, as far as who the players are, I also have an updated list of who's out on the Rams, and mm-hmm. it also includes Jalen Ramsey. Wow. Um, and starting DK offensive like lineman Rob Havenstein, starting safety Jordan Fuller. Wow. Um, Oconquo. Linebackers, yeah, Reader, Okoronquo, and Rose Boom, Bobby Evans. They're all starters. I mean, yeah. they are in That's serious nice. trouble. They're not going to get everyone back. We are just starting. Unfortunately, if the, we have two of those players who are positive, so we'll see where we're at on Sunday, which means this is a scrappy, scrappy game. And where I'm going with all of that is game. it just comes down to, I think a little bit who wants it more and who's prepared to just play scrappy. And I feel like the Seahawks are a little more on the scrappy side right now. I think we really enjoyed winning these two games with nothing to lose. I know there's still a small chance we could get into the playoffs and, and that's, I'm sure that's on their minds, but I, I also think that a lot of it is just, it's all or nothing when it's that small of a chance, yeah. you leave it all out on the field and that, you're I, just going to play as hard as you can. Cause you're also playing to be on the team next year at this point. Yeah. Or with, you know, we have a, a bunch of talented players who are going into free agency. So you're also, uh, you know, playing for your resume. Uh, Quandre Diggs wants that payday. And he didn't get it from Seattle this season. And I think he sees his stock rising. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and uh, it sounds like he's going to play Sunday as well, which is uh, good news. Um, you know, uh, oh man, I like that Quandre Diggs. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, uh, Matt Stafford's playing. He might have another pick because uh, he knows that Stafford well. And, um, you know, having played on the same team and Stafford has the ability to kind of like make a dumb throw (laughs) where the safety is uh, baiting him. Uh, I'd really like to see that. I want to see a Quandre Diggs pick six. He's got to have one this season. That would just kind of put the cherry on top. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 
I, uh, I also, uh, I, I was reading this just so, you know, Bobby Wagner is, has the most tackles in the NFL right now, but what I didn't know. And I just found out today, Jordan Brooks is only like two slots down from him at uh, number four. Jordan Brooks has been like, that was a great draft pick. That finally, I think Jordan Brooks is like, finally we hit on somebody in the draft after, you know, like a few years. Uh, I'm really excited to see that cat play um, and see what his development is going to be. I think he's just getting started this season and and he's made some mistakes, particularly in coverage. Um, Yes, coverage is spotty, but so is Bobby's though. Right. That's, yeah, that's, that's oh, totally. the weakness of the defense right there is the linebackers coverage. The, the linebacker coverage, absolutely. But I think that's the kind of thing that if you, he can focus on in the offseason and come back and really elevate his game, I'm excited about that guy. Um, keys a game. I, I I agree with you, Millie, that if you know if 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 it's gonna be, I don't know, 18 guys, is that who's out for the Rams? Uh if it's, it's 25. Good God. Literally like half a team. Uh, And it turns into backyard football. I think that favors the Seahawks. I mean, that's Russ's game. Um, Unless, you know, the Seahawks fail to adjust and we know the Rams can put together some good game plans and stuff like that. But I, I, this is a foreign game for both teams. You know, these are teams that know each other really well and now they're in a position of kind of not knowing each other really well now uh you know where all all of their game plans have come down to um the minutiae of you know taking advantage of specific players and things like that um yeah I, i thought the offensive line this past game played well. They gave Russ a lot of time. I thought Waldron called some really nice plays of getting Russ on the run out of the pocket. Um, and it seemed, you know, I would like to have seen the playbook and, and the game plan. It seemed to me that at times they even baited the defense into collapsing on that pocket until such a time as Russ could like run out of it uh, at a perfect moment to get everybody off balance. Um, and then start hitting some of these throws. And if they build on that a little bit, um, they they could have a chance. The Rams defensive <laughs> line, though, has been very good about containing Russell Wilson in that pocket. Uh, but I don't know. Hopefully uh, they have a plan around that. Uh, I don't know what to think about this game. I think uh, I hit it pretty good in predictions for last week. What was it, Millie? Uh, yeah, you did pretty well. I mean, you know, 27-13. Yeah, what did I say? Uh, 27-13. Yeah, and what was the score? Uh, what was it? 33-13? Is that right, y'all? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Was it 30 or 33? Can you say that again one more time? I, and I, yeah, it was 33. 33-13. It was 33-13, yeah. and you said yeah. 27-13. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was rooting for Dan to hit it on the nose, too. I was, too. I was, too. I was, too. I got that final score. It was was 27-13, and I was like, ah, no. Nope, didn't hold. Um, Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. 
so what do you say? What what I, I have no idea. I, I I honestly I have no idea what this score is going to be. I I don't know. I, I I'm gonna I'm shooting off the hip here, and I I, I don't know. I, I'm gonna say uh, I I'm gonna give it to the my Seahawks. I'm gonna say it's gonna be 21-18. I I don't know. I don't. Know. <laughs> We go with 28-20 Seahawks, and I think uh, it's going to be uh, – I think we're, we're going to be reminded why Shane Waldron's on our team because I think he's going to want it. I think – I know, well, especially against uh, – his, Yeah, his old boss. And his, his play calling has been improving throughout the season Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. and getting a lot more consistent. Uh, Curtis, what say you? Uh, man, you know, I really want to go with you two, um, but – I really feel like McVeigh has the blueprint to beat Carroll's defense. And uh, I think Aaron Donald just lives inside of the head of Russell Wilson on game day. Can Aaron Donald go out with COVID please? Yeah, no kidding. Um, I think it's going to be, you know what? I think Seattle is going to look like they're going to be able to pull it off, but I'm going to project them to lose a close one. Uh, 30, 27. Oh, high scoring shootout. Yeah, I think they're going like to score it. some points. I just have a feeling. Yeah. Millie. Well, um, I think uh, I think we're forgetting something that I forgot earlier this season, uh, and Alana got it right when we all got it wrong. And I will recall that we are the Rams kryptonite. So with that in mind, I think the Seahawks do win this game. I don't think it's a super, super high scoring affair. I'm going to go with the under here. Um, I'm going to call it 24-20. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll see come Sunday. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous about the game. I wore my DK Metcalf jersey this last game, though. And uh, I'm I'm riding it. I'm gonna. I got that DK action green uh, for the Rams. So uh, Russ, uh, you know everything's gonna be okay. I I finally figured out the combination of how this team wins, and it's the it's my action green DK Metcalf jersey. So as long as I'm wearing that, I think the Seahawks got a fighting chance. Yeah, sleep in that overnight. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, yeah, bathe in it. <laughs> you know, we didn't necessarily hit this prediction uh, when we said we would hit it, but Urban Meyer's out. <laughs> I was I cannot believe it happened too. I was thinking, like, God, you know, they're gonna stick with them down there. <sighs> Two notes I have from that. One is that. You know who their new head coach is? Yeah. Daryl Bevel. Who's which, uh, the career it, interim head coach? No. Yeah, because this happened last year when he took over for Patricia, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and then oh, the other man. thing is, did you read the bit about him kicking his kicker's leg? Kicking his kicker. Yeah. During practice, he was like, don't miss kicks. And I was like, you're 2-11 or whatever the fuck they are. You, right. you, yeah, and by and the kicker had like the best kicking percentage in Jaguars history. Right. I, I, Let's be clear. This is this is Lambo. Lambo is a good yeah. kicker. Uh, yeah. He's a good no, kicker. Nobody messes with a kicker's leg. And what I love about this story is all indications are that was the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Was yeah. that story 
from Lambo, who's actually valuable to this team, yeah. who's actually right. that people like. We know there's only a few kickers ever that people really like, and he's one of them. Mm-hmm. So I love that the kicker was what finally took this man down. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> God fucking Urban Meyer. I, there, by first of all, like textbook narcissist. Oh, yeah. oh God. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You can see it all over. Nothing's ever his fault. He's a winner. All his assistants are losers. It's because he beat cancer. And so he thinks that he's invincible. This whole thing, this whole persona that he has is like, I beat cancer. Like, so what? That doesn't make you a good person. You're yeah, still you're a still a shitty person. You're I, a shitty I know. person. And wherever he goes, he leaves a team in ruins. I, I, right. If there's any grace in the football world, Urban Meyer will never work again. Unfortunately, I know that's not how it works. And some desperate uh, college team is going to like, you know, get him back. But yeah, that's going to happen. You know, yeah. what was miserable? What's, human. what's weirdly ironic in all of this for me is that um, apparently. Meyer has a great deal of respect for Pete Carroll, like has a huge <laughs> degree of respect for Pete Carroll. He you got, can't find opposite coaches. Oh my God. I mean, he hired like half of his former staff was ended up down there. Uh, a handful of former Seahawks players have been down there. Right. Like he just felt like, you know, like, you know, Carroll's culture. <laughs> So it's like, it's inexplicable to me (laughs) that he just treated, I mean, he just the, the, just the grotesque disparaging uh, nature that he puked out in front of his players and his coaches. I mean, he held, I just, I read one report over the weekend where he held a fucking coaches only meeting and yeah. basically like ripped into his whole entire coaching staff and told them how much they suck yes. and how much they're losers and how great he is. Yes. And they got to start doing their fucking jobs. And it was just like, you know, I mean, leaks happen for a reason. I mean, we, right. if people aren't aware of this, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. Now the reason why this stuff is coming out is because there are people in that organization that who realized he was like horrendous and like the owner had to act. Yeah. You know? Well, and it sounds yeah. like, uh, you know, their new quarterback, uh, wasn't having it either. And, um, you know, no, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And you know, you, <laughs> You get like a once in a lifetime talent like that, fucking make him happy. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, I, I don't. Well, I mean, good for him. It couldn't have happened to a better, a worse person. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Enough, enough of him. I, I, uh, I so uh, this is something that I was thinking about. This is the complete opposite end of the kind of culture that Kurt Urban Meyer uh, set in his club. And uh, that's the Seattle crack. And I'm a big fan of coach uh, Haxtell because he, re- he, he reminds me of Pete Carroll a little bit 
in the culture that he has built in his clubhouse of closeness and positivity and um uh, you know, you can see that there are relationships that have been built on that team, like that team plays for each other and that team cares for each other. There's a fun tradition that the Kraken do after a win and they let the cameras into uh, the locker room right after a win where they sit around and they celebrate each other. Uh, you know, who was doing well. Um, and they have a, a, a pirate hat, a Davy Jones pirate hat, and it, they, they'll pass it to the player they think deserved it in that game, kind of like the game ball or the game puck or whatever. And you can see the, uh, just the love that team has for each other. And, and, it, and I started to think about this where, this team is, it's not, it's not a great team, right? It, it, it has a losing record. Um, and, but it's one of those teams where it, they can beat the best team in the league and then they'll, you know, drop one to a, a mid league team or a bad team. And that's going to happen with an expansion team, but it's a team like the 2010, 2011 Seahawks that were built from a bunch of misfits that had chips on their shoulder. And that's what this Kraken team is. All these players that got sacrificed in the expansion draft, and they're saying, my team didn't think I was good enough. Mm-hmm. And they got drafted by the Kraken. These talented players uh, who now have a giant chip on their shoulder. All they're missing is one playmaker who can take control of the game. They need the Russell Wilson. And I think once the Kraken can find that guy, it's game over. Or until Philip Grubauer actually starts playing like the uh, goaltender we, um, you know, paid him money for. Right now he's playing like the worst in the league when uh, <laughs> the season before he was like one of the best in the league. And I, I don't yeah, know if, he was if like, he's in a slump or, or what's happening. It's still very early in the season. Defense. In front of him. Too. I mean, that has a lot to do with it, where the, the Kraken can, um, they'll be on the game plan and they'll have great puck control and then they'll make a mistake. And this just happens because they don't have chemistry. They'll make a mistake. The puck doesn't go where they thought it was or where the other guy thought it was going to be. And then it gets intercepted and all of a sudden it's a two on one and a goaltender is not going to be able to, you know, uh, save a goal on something like that. So a lot of goals you can't necessarily just pin on Philip. Grubauer, but I I also don't think that um, you can just entirely say that it's the Kraken defense fault. Sure, sure. Um, and it's just the contributing factor when you come where he where he was playing last year in Colorado. They had like two top of the like Norris defensemen, and and that allowed him to save the shots he was meant to save. Yes, and succeed in and that I scenario. Th- there's also, you know, the the goaltender has to build chemistry with the with the team. So, you know, the, there's a lot that goes into hockey where, um, you know, if a, if if a defensive man is posted up in front of the goaltender, uh, maybe he's being screened and now Philip can't see where the puck is coming from and stuff like that. That's all stuff that kind of I think will get worked out. The other thing that reminds me of Pete Carroll with uh with coach Haxtell on the Kraken is that he likes to play a defensively tough game 
control the pace of the game with like slow and deliberate and play it close. And mm-hmm. they, like, he's literally said that he likes to play close games. And I was like, well, okay. I mean, is that why we brought him in? Because this guy is the hockey equivalent of Pete Carroll. Well, Todd Lywicki is a, was, was a part of the Seahawks. He was the main guy that brought in, you know, uh, Pete Carroll, the got him, you know, the guy that got Paul Allen interested in Pete Carroll in the first place. So it, it makes so, so much maybe sense. this is the Lewicki sort of vision. Of- yeah. It's, it's so funny. And then listening to the hockey people talk about it, they kind of hate the style of play that Haxtell likes his players to play because it slows things down and there's not a lot of shot attempts and it's not like a fast paced game of guys skating up and down the ice. He kind of likes to get it slogged up in the neutral zone until they can get like a good look and then skate into uh, into their offensive zone and, and get some shots. But uh, I, I like, but I I'm a defensive guy. So I yeah. like watching some, some good defensive uh, uh, games, whether it's hockey or, or football. Well, I, super just, games. I, I like, there's something about his look and his, his, his swagger and an intensity as a coach yeah. that I just, I'm really into. Like I am too. Okay. Every time we're going to play for that guy. Yeah. And and good or bad, whatever happens, the camera always hits him on the sideline and he has the same, just uh, neutral expression on his face. He's got this stoic thing, you know, totally nothing, nothing faces him. I, I, but I like that. I I don't know. I like that. Looks like Matthew Modine. Yeah. It's all, he's also just like the most, this is the most Canadian team I think I've ever seen. (laughs) Seriously. The, you know, the camera like gets in the locker room and uh, and it's like, you know, in a football locker room, everybody's like popping open the champagne bottles and Pete Carroll's, you know, like raw rawing them up and everybody's like, rah, uh, the camera gets into the Kraken uh, right after the game and they're kind of like half dressed and they're all just sitting around the locker room with beers in their hand and they're just sitting there. They're not like celebrating or anything they're sitting there and they're like uh you know hacks will be like all oh, right and we got uh groovy you know you had a good game yeah uh, and groovy's like yeah i uh you know everything went well uh, the boys are doing oh, good. it was a beauty uh, yeah it was a be- it was it was good you got larson over there it wasn't that was a very nice game uh eh? and it's like it's all just like super chill super low-key i don't know i dig it i, I, I like having the, uh i caught the sharks game this week and and that was a really fun game to watch because i mean we won but it was and and had some nice offense but that was one of those those games where you can feel those sparks where people are really playing with each other that you 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 can tell they're starting to feel each other yes and anticipate and and work together more because so often i mean you the goal is not alone and a lot of those goals that I've seen on, on group Brower, you know, he's trying to block this way. There's, there's no help. Totally. So or he'll get like, he will block it. And then there's the rebound and nobody is on his right side. And you can't ask a guy go from like corner to corner uh, that quickly. You need Larson to blow up the dude yeah. uh, on that other side or whatever. So I understand why people aren't as excited about him as they thought they might be, but uh, I, as goal, you know, I don't know that much about hockey, but when I've watched him, I he's exciting. He said he's made some amazing saves 
Um, he's made some amazing saves. I, he's made a lot of saves where I go, oh, that's why we brought him in. Right. Um, and again, it's very early in the season. You know, it, it, it's like saying, uh, oh, well, Russell Wilson's quarterback rating is only uh, 93. And it's like the third game in the season. You know what I mean? Like, you know, at a certain point, halfway through the season, that quarterback rating is probably going to get up to like 103. I feel the same way about Grubauer. He, he, his save percentage might be 88% right now. It's not going to stay that way. I'm sure the save percentage is going to come up to, you know, somewhere close to 91% when by the time this season is over. And as this team gets to know each other, I, I, you know, all the same, uh, exciting team to watch. Um, no expectations, you know, it's an expansion team. So I'm having fun. Uh, you know what else I had fun with? I just watched the newest episode of Hawkeye today, right before uh, we hopped on here. <laughs> and uh, first of all, I have two things that I want to say. There were two things that excited me in this episode. Number one, the scene with Florence Pugh and, uh, and uh, Haley. Uh, the best. Uh, I'm, 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 number one, I have a giant crush on Florence Pugh. Like, just an obscene crush on Florence Pugh. Mine, mine might be bigger. So. <laughs> <laughs> the way, like, that hairstyle was just like, oh my God, you look so good. Oh, and the accent. Uh, yeah. She just carries it so well. Uh, I mean, she's just a fantastic actor. But, but like, it, those she are like two of, two of the best actors the top two actors of that generation right there in this totally on this show they're both they're both oscar nominees and they're both 25 uh, it, on you know a, a superhero tv show uh yeah. streaming on the the disney streaming I, I i just i thought it was lovely and i look forward to seeing how that relationship builds between who's obviously going to be the new Black Widow in the Avengers and who's obviously going to be the new Hawkeye in the Avengers mm. and, uh, and, and how this relationship between these two characters is going to develop. Uh, but then, long awaited, we find out the big bad spoilers. Saw it coming a mile away. I did too. I think we but may have yet, even said everybody. something a couple weeks ago, but mm. I'm, I'm not I sure we said still, something. I'm just happy. Super that excited when it happened, and we got I'm, my man yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio coming yeah. in as yeah. the kingpin and naming him the kingpin, which is something they never did in Daredevil. Yeah. And ah, that was great. Oh, and and of course, uh, you know, which we also saw coming, I think. But um, uh, Kate Bishop's mother as also a bad guy or at least conspiring with the bad guys uh i had a great time it was that's why i watched these stupid tv shows um yeah next week episode concludes it too right? yeah they're yeah. gonna that, that one's that one's gonna have to that one's gonna have to pull out all the punches and I hope it's a long episode. We've yeah, got a lot, I, I, lot I did, to wrap I did, I did, up. Like, that, that cannot be like a 45-minute episode. And I felt like this last episode, while entertaining, and that scene between um, uh, Kate and Yelena was fire, was crackling, like the entire time. Every other part of it, for me, fell a little short um, because it was a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations that people had in rooms. There was like some fighting, but it wasn't that creative fighting that has been like sparked through so much of it. Um, yeah. And like, 
I just, I felt like it, it, for me, it lacked oomph. And so you had that one scene that was just crackling. And then you had the really weird way that Jack acted when he was being arrested. I know, yeah. Like, I was like, what? what? Which I kind of love that in a way because it was odd. And I'm just kind of going like, what is up with this? It 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 felt unmoored. And then you had the fact that she showed back up and just like, by matching Clint stride for stride, he accepted her back as a full team member. Like, that was it. There was no, like, he'd spent all that time building up that acting energy just be like, get, go on, get, I don't love you anymore, at the end of the last episode and, like, really strained the boundaries of what Jeremy Renner could do. Um, and then, like, all of a sudden, she comes back and he's like, what's up? We're planning it now together. There was no coverage of that. Here's where yeah, I would disagree with Let's take an Uber ride you, and, and talk. Yeah. I would disagree with you on that, in that, she saved his life. He was absolutely done. He had nowhere else to go. Here comes the the death blow. Yeah. He was there and she filled that role in the place where he used to have a partner who would show up in that moment. But he and needed to say that. That, that, that needed a, to be that said. For me. I don't know. Okay. I just it didn't I see feel... why you would miss it for sure. Why you wanted yeah. that moment and you didn't get it. Right. I, right. I just it didn't it feel it felt like if you're gonna make Jeremy Renner act that hard so visibly, <laughs> then like let's have some a, a backup to it because he can't. He's not a good actor. My watch is just telling me to take a moment of mindfulness. So I need to step away. So oh, I, I oh, wanted right. to call out actually for me, the mo- one of the biggest moments for me that's sticking with me is actually the very, very beginning of the episode. I was going to say this too. Yes. And, you know, I wasn't a hundred percent sure, you know, timeline wise where we were in this opening scene and Elena goes into the, into the bathroom and, and the blip happens. And partially because um, member of the 12s, number one, super fan, super sister, Mandy uh, is on my mind. Today is her big five Oh birthday. I'm missing her like crazy this week, my sister. So I just, the first thought that went through my head is, she doesn't know about her sister mm-hmm. and it broke me. I'm sitting next to the hubs and there's just tears. And I can tell he's like, I, I don't understand what just happened. What's happening. What happened just now? And it's because that's where it took me. And I love anything that can tap into me emotionally in a way that I'm not expecting or expecting to relate to. And, um, and just that sudden idea of, of anytime they've done things with the blip, where I realize what a person is about to run into mm-hmm. with knowledge or having lost all this time or getting someone back or not getting someone back. And all of that emotionally to me is so fascinating, but it just hit home for me, like how absolutely devastating because I did really like the Black Widow movie and I loved their relationship. So I was very tuned into that. So to start the episode there was like, oh, okay, I, I like this show. Where are we going now? Yeah, I, I'm into it. I loved we've we we've never really seen the point of view of a character directly after coming back from the blip. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. Fear and confusion. I, like it, it yeah. actually hit for me. I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, that is what it would feel like 
if you were to suddenly like, because you don't know, these people don't know that they disappeared and then lost five years. And they, you know, suddenly the world around them is different. I, I, I you know, that sent me into a million different thought experiments that uh, it kind of tickled the thing in my brain. Uh, I also had this thought, which is like, it, it, it opens up with that cold open and it's like 2018. And I was like, okay, 2018. So where in the MCU is this? And I was like, yeah, I was you know, can you just like, I don't know, MCU, don't give me a year. Give me like the, the bookend the movies for me. Like we are between, you know, this movie and this movie. And that's going to be way more uh, uh, for me. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And I think they uh, tried a little bit with the, the voiceover to kind of lead you into this is after Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't 100% sure where the blip was. I, I was pretty sure that's where we were, but I'm with yeah, you. I wasn't either. I was like 2018. Is that pre-blip, post-blip? Where are we? Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. Uh, good stuff, though. Um, yeah. Also, unless anybody else have any thoughts they want to share on Hawkeye. I'm looking. I think it's the second best Disney Plus movie series that they've had. Uh, I really I'm having like a great time. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I think it's super fun. It's my favorite one. I Is think that after fun. Mandalorian? No, no. Okay. You're asking me about Star Wars. No. Oh, wait. Yeah. What was I thinking? Never mind. Careful What's now. the number one Careful. for you? Oh, no, let's bring. No, no, no. Come on. Let's bring one. the Mandalorian into the MCU. <laughs> well, no. The comment was Disney Plus. So uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I meant. The, the Marvel shows on Disney Plus. Right, I should have realized right away. We we had Alana's a Loki fan. Yes, Loki, yes, very much so. Loki's her jam. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. one of my top five series of the year. So, along with um, a series that ended on Sunday night. That I mean, this is what I was going to get to because I loved it. Oh, I uh, first of all. Um, the third season of Succession, I it started a little slow. I think I don't know if it started slow. It it just uh, it didn't have the family dynamics. It got mired in the plot a little bit. Right. The final three episodes finally got a little more into the family dynamics. Mm-hmm. The final three episodes of Succession of the third season might be like the best three episodes of the entire series. I, I think it's three or four because I the eighth episode for me didn't land for a couple of reasons. Um, some really like imprecise writing um, based on the fact that they were calling uh, Caroline's new husband, the onion. And then there was uh, because his last name is Munion. And then there was a conversation between Siv and Caroline where she referred to her as her onion. And it was like, it's like, you're using the same metaphor and I'm having uh, a tough time understanding yeah. <laughs> who you're talking about. And it was imprecise yeah. writing. So, and that, yeah. that really took me out of it. And there were a couple of other little moments like that in that second to last episode, the last scene of it was excellent. Um, but for me, it goes back to uh, the episode where they're picking the president and Tom's monologue, where he says, you know, Kendall, I've, I've never seen Logan get fucked. And you're just getting fucked a lot. Yeah. And, and yeah. like that span for me, I agree that three or four of those are the best they've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the, and uh, the, the scene with um, the three siblings, Shiv, uh, Kendall and Roman, when Kendall yeah. breaks down mm-hmm. and just like sits into, you know, that Italian dirt and breaks down and confesses 
uh, I, I, murder is a strong word. It's not a murder, a neglect. I don't know, but the that waiter. Um, I think that uh, uh, Millie's trying to avoid spoilers. Oh shit! Uh, well, you know. All right, cover the ears up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I I won't say too much. Just to say, it was, the a acting was phenomenal. <laughs> yes, um, uh, the acting was phenomenal uh, from all three of them, and Jeremy Strong deserves an Emmy. So does Matthew McFadden. So does Matthew McFadden, um, whose character starts out as kind of um, bumbling comic relief and turns into something way more poignant. Yeah. I also, also want to quickly sell um, Station Eleven started today on HBO Max. This picture is from Station Eleven, the book. Uh, so that's why it's my background. And we watched the first episode. Um, and if you liked The Leftovers, it's from somebody who, is hev- who worked heavily on The Leftovers, was one of the primary writers for that. If you like uh, Atlanta, it's directed by largely by Hiro Mirai, who directed a lot of series of Atlanta. He's got a really mag- really nice touch with magical realism in terms of how he directs. Uh, the opening episode, I thought, was... Um, it, it takes place during a pandemic that wipes out most of humanity. So if you can deal with that, but it's, there's a lot of brightness, there's crispness, there's joy, there's moments of fear that you feel safe in. Um, and all, by all accounts, it's one of the best shows of the year. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to, to getting into it. I was going to ask if, about it because I, uh, couldn't sleep last night and actually watched it. And- oh, nice. And I have not read the book. I had so many people who have mentioned it um, and said, you know, oh, have you read the book? I'm like, no. And pretty about halfway through, I was like, am I wishing I read the book or is it good that I haven't read the book? Because I I am and I'm not lost because I feel like this is all very purposeful and purposefully paced. Mm -hmm. But I almost feel like I should know more. But I'm trying to be patient with where this all is going. Appreciating the fact that Beth has read the book and is filling me, me in on beats where she feels like, like, she's like, oh, that's a great casting choice because in the book, you know, um, and I, I'm finding that really valuable, um, but also not necessary. Okay. Yeah. Curtis, you got anything uh, else you're dorking out about? Uh, still uh, piecemealing my way through the uh, Beatles Get Back thing. Oh yeah, uh, they've moved to Apple Studios now. They're Apple Studio. They're in this okay. crappy place trying to record these songs. Uh, it's uh, it's enjoyable. I'm a huge Beatles fan. It's amazing that they did so. Like all the songs that ended up on their last couple uh, albums, uh, Abbey Road and the Let It Be uh, album, um, they recorded live played together in studio there was no dubbing over no nothing nothing fancy schmancy they just they just rehearsed the shit out of it and played and uh it's impressive to watch all that footage of them doing it uh, they were true artists i'm just i mean it's just i mean if you going back into last week's ep- episode podcast of ours when you said you were curious about watching you know artists do their craft i mean it doesn't get yeah it just doesn't get any better than watching them do that 
I think um, we take if you're not a huge the- Beatles fan, it's probably not your thing, but you know, yeah. I am. So I'm really digging it. I think we take, I think we take their genius for granted a little bit. Yeah. Genius. I think a lot of people do. I mean, this, I mean, if you think about like how they reshaped and changed popular music, specifically popular rock and roll music. Yeah. You know, it never really, there was never ever that band that came out and it's just like, oh my God, the sound is like new. Like they, the, the achievements in which they did from like 1967 to uh, 1969, you know, it was just, it's enormous yeah. sweeping, yeah. you know, acts. And, you know, I mean, for, for, for me, I mean, I can remember, you know, and, you know, I, I mean, I'll date myself, you know, I'm, you know, 52 years old. So I was a senior in high school when, um, when Appetite of Destruction came out and, uh, with the Guns N' Roses album. And it mm-hmm. sounded unlike any other sort mm-hmm. of hard rock eighties sort of style album. And that felt pretty revolutionary. And then a few years after that in 91, um, Nevermind came out. Yeah. And it was just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> You know, so there's been a few moments where I've just, yeah, but yeah, uh, it's always, I always just circle back to the Beatles. I mean, I think the Beatles. I do think we have to hold space for the fact that the Beatles did steal their music from black artists uh, and manipulate it and turn it into something else. They stole their music from Indian artists, especially in the later years. And I think we have to remember that. I'm not saying that they're not geniuses and I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that they didn't do something interesting with that music, but they are built off the backs of the work of a lot of artists of color who don't get any who, kinds of who credit. Who didn't get the credit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I you mean, listen the, to the Paul entire McCartney of Rock and Style, he, 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 he tried to capture his best Little Richard as much as possible um, with all the little... Uh, you know, sort of noises he'd kind of throw in and stuff. But I mean, I think you can pretty much make the argument that like, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin stole from Black Blues. Oh, I'm not not making um, that argument. I mean, like Led Zeppelin <laughs> did. Elvis is the worst of them. Elvis is the worst but of them. That's, but that's, that, that's essentially what rock and roll became, though, right? Rock and yeah. roll took Black music. And yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't approach it you, that you shouldn't approach it critically with that lens. Is, is, that's all I'm saying. I'm yeah. not saying they're not geniuses. I'm not saying that they didn't contribute broadly to the culture. I'm saying that the reason that we accepted them and not another artist is because they were white and cute and from Britain and had a, a specific perspective going forward. But there are other artists who are just as talented and just as much geniuses that never made any indentation into the broader culture because of their color. Yeah. So that's that's true. Yeah. That's just something I think we should remind. I've, I've put Curtis into his meditation pose. Yeah. I got to go back into it. (laughs) He got got another (laughs) mindfulness alert. All He's right, like a two-inch head in the corner of a screen for those Hi guys. who are just listening. Yeah. All right, that's it. Okay. 
uh, read Curtis's blog, uh, 12life.com. He has to write a whole new one because uh, Tyler Lockett had to go and get that COVID. Uh, so I think Curtis is spending the rest of the night rewriting a, a blog. Um, nah, I'm going to more, watch more about these limeys stealing from black <laughs> artists from like East India. And- yeah. You can still like the music. I'm not saying you're a racist for liking the music. That's all right. We'll move along. Curtis, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to be here every Friday for uh, for at least the next few weeks. I don't know. We'll see. You know, things are always changing. We're new podcasts. Um, my name is Daniel. For Alana, Curtis, Millie, the rest of 12, saying goodbye and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Peace. <laughs>